And so how much did you build it up to before you cashed it all out? We ended up cashing out uh, $13 million uh, right uh, about four or five days before it started to go down. Hey, welcome to Commando On Demand Insider, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James. Today, Kim talks with Kristen McGrath. Kristen is the editor and shopping expert at BlackFriday.com. She's going to let you in on some of the very best Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals. And if you think cryptocurrency is not a way to make a lot of money, (laughs) we're going to prove you completely wrong. Kim talks to someone who quit his job and made millions just using cryptocurrency. Plus, Kim has this week's hot topic, shopping online and then getting a sales call from the website that you're shopping on. What's going on with that? And we have a very special guest, a professor from USC who's created multiple programs that focus on video game development and is currently ranked as the number one game programs in the world. And in today's trivia, of course, every week we give you a trivia question to keep you thinking and keep your brain going. You have to promise not to search Google or Surrey, but you're going to use the noggin to find the answer for this one. We want you to challenge yourself and use your brain. This week's trivia question, when you go online, you have access to potentially millions of web pages. Go back only a couple of decades, and that certainly was not the case. But when did the very first web page go online, and what was the topic? Yeah, it's a good question. You got four choices. Was it 1993, reviewing the works of Shakespeare? Was the topic and year 1987, a discussion of theoretical physics? Was it C, 1991, on creating web pages for the World Wide Web? Or was it D, 1989, about a coffee pot at the University of Cambridge? Again, was it uh, reviewing the works of Shakespeare, 1993? 87, a discussion of theoretical physics. 91, creating web pages for the World Wide Web. Or 1989, uh, about a coffee pot at the University of Cambridge. We'll have the answer later on in this podcast. And a quick reminder before we get started, this is not the Kim Commando Show. We've got a brand new website. Of course, the radio show is available to you as a Commando community member, uh, plus a bunch of other cool perks of being commando community member but there's just one place to get the radio show on a podcast and that is getkim.com if you're interested go take a look it's only a couple of bucks a month getkim.com now let's get started with the commando on demand podcast and just moments away black friday deals This is Commando On Demand Insider. It's all about living the very best digital lifestyle. And of course, Black Friday and Cyber Monday are just around the corner. So we're going to talk to Kristen McGrath. We've talked to her on this podcast before. She's the editor and shopping expert at BlackFriday.com. And she's going to be talking about the ways that you can get the very best Black Friday and Cyber Monday deals. Here's Kim. Uh, Kristen, everybody's wondering, like, where are the best deals on Black Friday? It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Hi, Kim. Yes. Um, We're already seeing some really good deals from the major retailers. Most of them have already put out their ads. um, And so we're seeing a lot of really good stuff out there, especially when it comes to tech. Yeah, it seems like tech is always the big hit on Black Friday. Is it or is it and then come it does. And then are toys next or appliances? Yeah, I would say so you do find some good deals on appliances and like 
just the big ones, not just fridges and washer dryers. That's a lot of small appliances, kitchen appliances get really big discounts as well. You also see some discounts on toys, yes, but it won't necessarily be the most popular ones. We're seeing more retailers offer up to 50% off on just toys and games in general, but not the most popular toys of the year. I see. Um, All right. So Black Friday and tech. Big question. Um, Everybody always asks me. Yeah. Are the deals better in the store or are they better online? So it's becoming more and more the case that um, there's not really that much difference. Uh, Black Friday is online these days as much as it is in stores, especially when it comes to the major retailers. Um, In some cases, there's a very small handful of deals that will only be available in store. For example, um, Target's leading with a really good TV doorbuster deal. Um, you can get an Element 65-inch Roku Smart uh, 4K TV for just $279.99. That one's only available in stores. And some other retailers, like Sam's Club, for example, will have some deals that are only available online. But they mark these pretty clearly on their websites and in their ads. You just have to look so you know where to get what you want. So you mentioned Target's doorbuster deal, which is actually yeah. it's pretty cheap. I mean, 300 bucks for yeah. a 65-inch television, and it's 4K. Yeah. I mean, you know, may may not have the refresh rate that you want, but uh, right. if you're not into sports, it's still a, it's a smoking deal. What are some other doorbuster deals that you're finding? Let's see, Walmart's actually coming in pretty strong with its own um, 4K TV deal. Um, if you're looking to, you know, pay as few dollars as you can for the biggest screen size you can get, um, it's offering a deal from its own brand, which is On, called On, O-N-N. Um, and it's a 50-inch 4K Roku Smart TV for just $148 this year. So that gets you a 50-inch 4K TV for under $150, yeah, that's which is crazy. pretty cheap. Yeah, that is pretty cheap. And so are most of the doorbuster deals, are, are they are they televisions? Or are you seeing any laptops? Yeah, we see um, some doorbuster computer deals as well um, coming up this year. So um, from what we've Best Buy has um, sort of the best selection um, if you're looking for a big selection at a variety of price points. Um, One that stands out is that they're offering $360 off off the um, Microsoft Surface Pro 7, and that's the version with um, 4 gig of RAM and 128 gig of hard drive space. So that's going to bring the price down to $599. And they've also got Um, some other budget laptops for under $200 um, this year as well, if you're looking for something a little lower. Um, If you're looking, oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, no, no, I was just going to say, you know, but what about if we want a little bit more bang for our buck, so to speak? And so you're already going there, Kristen. Oh, yeah. So if you're looking for high end, um, Best Buy is going to offer up to $300 off the MacBook Pro and up to $200 off um, the MacBook Air. But if you're like, if you have an even lower budget and you're looking to just get like a basic machine, just need to surf the internet, that sort of thing, um, Target and Walmart are both offering uh, Chromebooks. Uh, Target's got an HP 11.6 inch Chromebook uh, for $99. Walmart has uh, the Samsung Chromebook 3 also for $99 on Black Friday. Well, you know what? Think about that. How incredibly cheap is that just to get a basic laptop? Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, it's a Chromebook. It runs Chrome OS. Right. And yeah, everything has to be in the cloud, but still, it's a really good laptop for 100 bucks. 
All right. So yeah, exactly. So everybody wants the Apple AirPods, right? I mean, they're going to. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be projected to be like the biggest seller. Uh, any deals? Yeah, we are seeing some deals this year, actually, which is kind of cool because last year we didn't see any AirPod deals on Black Friday, really. Um, so the lowest price we're seeing on AirPods is $129 from Walmart. Um, and just one caveat, that's not the wire, but that's not the one with the wireless charging case. You, it's still the one that connects with the lightning cable. Um, but that's probably the lowest price we're seeing. If you want the AirPods with the wireless charging case, um, Best Buy um, will be offering that for $164.99. That's about 35 bucks off on Black Friday. But it's worth noting um, Amazon um, has already been offering that same price yeah. on the same product. So speaking of Apple, any deals on any phones? Yeah. So um, as far as the newest iPhones go, so the iPhone 11 line, um, we're seeing a really strong deal from Walmart and Walmart kind of has a tradition of not necessarily offering like a straight discount. It offers Walmart e-gift cards with purchase. Um, so this year you can get $300 um, in Walmart e-gift cards if you um, purchase and activate on a qualified network. Um, one of the new iPhone 11, so the iPhone 11, iPhone 11 Pro and Pro Max. And then if you trade in an eligible old phone, Walmart's going to give you another e-gift card for up to $250. So um, that's one of the biggest deals we're seeing. But like some people would rather have a Target gift card. Um, and so Target's offering um, a really strong gift card deal up to $300 in Target gift cards if wow. you buy and activate a Pixel 4 or 4XL. Well, you know what, Kristen, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, Kristen's joining us from BlackFriday.com. And so you can always see a lot of the circulars there. But boy, I'll tell you, it's confusing, isn't it? Where are all the best deals? We also have some write-ups that we've done with BlackFriday.com over at Commando.com that you don't want to miss. Michael Zida is considered the father of of video games. He's a professor at USC, and you're going to meet him today on Commando On Demand. And just moments away, the crypto millionaire. How this guy was making $150,000 a year at a multimedia company in San Francisco, but wasn't happy, quit his job, and made millions on cryptocurrency. Next on Commando On Demand. We're used to seeing ads that are the same as something we've already shopped for online. And according to a CNBC report, brace yourself now for phone calls. A man said StubHub called him after he left basketball tickets in his online shopping cart without buying them. If he acted right then, he would get 5% off his order. And a woman recently got a phone call while browsing Wayfair's site. It's not difficult for shopping sites to get your phone number and match it with your computer's IP address. So how can you avoid this from happening to you? For starters, don't answer unknown numbers. But one free Google Chrome extension, Ghostery, allows you to view and block tracking code websites. Clearing cookies might help, as well as browsing in private mode. And if all else fails, a VPN gives you an IP address that's not tied to you. Can't get enough of Kim's tips, tricks, and tech news? Watch Season 3 of The Kim Commando Show on Bloomberg TV, Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Or catch the latest episode at commando.com slash TV. It's Commando On Demand with some of the most fascinating stories about the digital lifestyle. Let's meet a cryptocurrency millionaire. Here's Kim. Do you remember when the cryptocurrency craze started a few years back? 
Everyone from gamers to grandparents were rushing to invest in the crypto boom. Recently, Facebook has been making plans to jump on the blockchain bandwagon too. But the problem with investing in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other types of cryptocurrency is that it's not regulated like a bank. So could you imagine taking your entire life savings and investing it in digital dough? It sounds crazy, doesn't it? Well, my next guest did just that. He poured every last penny that his family had into Ethereum, and he lived to tell about it. And I'd like to extend a big welcome to Dan Conway. Hey, Dan, thanks for joining us. And now I have to start by asking, what did your wife say? Well, that is, I, I wrote a book about all this that goes into more detail, Confessions of a Crypto Millionaire. And in one of the, one of the scenes of the book describes how after hundreds of hours of research, uh, I became convinced that Ethereum was going to go up. Rightly or wrongly, that's where my brain was. And I walked down to my bank, Wells Fargo at the time. I walked in and I started the machines up, wiring the $100,000. And I felt my phone buzz. And I looked down and it was a note from my wife that said, WTF is this. So that was, that was not a fun day or evening. And I kind of document how we talked about it. And we ultimately made a deal that allowed me to put the money in. She's never been um, particularly interested in money. She sort of thinks it's unholy. She has a fairly healthy uh, perspective on money. And, um, and we made a deal that I document that allowed me eventually to put it in there. She kind of compartmentalized the whole thing after that. You didn't discuss this with her first? No, I did not. And that I do not recommend that for folks who are in a marriage. <laughs> that is not a good idea. I convinced myself since she doesn't really like to talk about money and I was in charge of our investments. We have, you know, a 401k as well that's separate from this, uh, not massive, but um, so I convinced myself, but I tried not to think too much about it, frankly, that, you know, she wouldn't care about this. But yes, she did. So how did you become a how did you become an Ethereum expert? Basically, my career up to that point was uh, involved working in corporations and centralized corporations. And I was like a lot of people. It made me miserable. So when I came across Bitcoin, I was interested in the investment angle of it and folks saying Bitcoins are going to be worth 50,000. I was fairly desperate at that point. So I had the incentive to learn about it. But when I learned about Ethereum, which focuses more on this concept of decentralization in relation to organization. Uh, I, began, I began to read the Reddits, YouTube videos, go to meetups, Twitter. I mean, I literally, when I want to go deep, I can go really deep. And I became convinced that maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next year, but in the years and decades ahead, Ethereum not only would rise in value, but would sort of challenge this idea that a centralized corporation is the only way to um, add to and, and uh, manage economic activity. I believed and still believe that that will happen to some degree in the years to come. Okay, so you had the $100,000 and what is did it turn into and how long did it take to turn that into a sizable amount? Well, it was first, it was a fairly, uh, in one sense, a fairly miserable experience because like I said, I made the big investment in May and on my birthday on June 18th, one of the most high profile Ethereum projects was hacked. It was called the Decentralized Autonomous Organization, the DAO. Ethereum crashed, all of crypto crashed. It was, my Twitter blew up right as I was walking into the restaurant to have dinner with my wife and three kids. And um, it, we lost 40%, like almost immediately. But the thing is, Kim, is that, I mean, I can't underestimate how, how into it I was. I had done so much research and I had myself 100% convinced that while it was sad that it went down, it was more a buying opportunity. Okay, is that when you took a home equity loan out? Yes. 
Yes, that wow. is when I truly jumped the shark. Um, I took a home equity out and it wouldn't necessarily have led to 100% economic collapse of my family, but it was that was definitely a possibility. Okay, so you're 300 grand in the hole and your wife who's not into money, I'm sure at this point is saying kind of what's going on and what happens? She didn't want to know anything about it after the initial investment. Like she said, she never thought we were going to get rich. But if I told her like a month later, like, hey, you know what? That thing turned out to be like the World Wrestling Foundation. You know, she she said she wouldn't have been the least bit surprised. I, I couldn't imagine that happening in my relationship with my husband. It'd be like, what did you just do? Are you crazy? Okay, but now, now you're the golden boy because... In what, four months, this turns into how much? We were up two million. And again, I didn't sort of figure out what the impact would be on Eileen. I said, I quit Bitco. We're up two million. We're fine. And she was really ticked off, (laughs) to put it lightly. That's when I decided it about halfway through, we needed to sell some to get our initial investment out. Where did you store it so it was protected from hackers? Everyone said, hold your own keys. And that involves holding your, like it's 26 or 27 digits on a device that you own or written down somewhere. And if you hold those, like say um, I'm a refugee, I can memorize that code. I can um, you know, put it somewhere only I can get it, only know about it. And wherever I'm at, I can get onto a computer and get my crypto, right? But that scared the heck out of me. I knew that I was going to mistype a code and lose all the money. And then what would I do? So I always left mine on an exchange called Gemini, which is one of the big ones. And their whole focus is on um, is on security. They're run by the Winklevoss twins. You're, I'm sure you're familiar with them. Right. And I, so I feel comfortable holding it there. And so how much did you build it up to before you cashed it all out? We ended up cashing out uh, $13 million uh, right uh, about four or five days before it started to go down. And, and since then, it's been in this bear market. I believe it will boom again, but we've been in a bear market for two years now. Well, you know what, Dan, thank you so much for sharing your story. And if you're thinking about investing in cryptocurrencies, you know what? Make sure you do your research because for every story like Dan's, there are hundreds, maybe not thousands of others about people who just lost everything. And if you want to read more about Dan's story, Confessions of a Crypto Millionaire, you can find a link to it posted over at my website, and that's commando.com. Up next on Commando On Demand, you're going to meet Michael Zaida. Now, he's a professor at USC, but more importantly, he's a world-class gaming expert. He actually puts together some of the classes for the people that make games. His interview with Kim is next on Commando On Demand. How would you function for a week, seven full days, without your smartphone? Two dozen university students in New York did just that. Let's see if you could do as well as they did. It was a bold experiment an Adelphi University course called Life Unplugged. Students handed in their smartphones for an entire week. Remember, this is Generation Z, people who have never lived in a world without the internet, smartphones, and texting. how they do? For the first time, many used alarm clocks to wake them up, wristwatches to keep track of the day. Most importantly, all reported far less stress, more productivity, getting schoolwork done in record time, and having time for friends. Plus, all of them reported falling asleep faster and easier. Perhaps a Life Unplugged week is worth a try in your home. Want tech DIY videos from people you trust? Go on over to the Kim Commando YouTube channel and you'll see why Kim's America's top digital expert. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a video. Just go to YouTube.com slash Kim Commando Show. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Commando on Demand, where we talk to some of the most influential people in technology, the innovators that shape the future, and trailblazers who challenge and inspire us to do amazing things. Michael Zaida has long been considered the father of video games by many, and you're going to meet him right now. Here's Kim. When video games first made their way into arcades, who would have guessed that the future of gaming would be people making millions of dollars a year playing those games? It's called eSports. The Fortnite World Cup recently awarded, get this, over $30 million in prize money. And the top player walked away with a cool $3 million for first place. Games today are immersive 3D experiences. And they're being used for everything, from training military personnel to treating mental illness. And this is such an honor. My next guest is joining me to talk more about the future of gaming. And if you like video games, then chances are you've probably played one created by him or maybe one of his students. He's the founding director of USC's Computer Science Games Program, and he's joining me today. I'd like to welcome Michael Zaida, and thank you so much for joining us, Michael. Let's start by you telling me a little bit about yourself. I read that you hold a whole slew of patents on technology and the Nintendo Wii. Um, I have two patents that are uh, used for the 9-axis sensor inside of the Nintendo Wii U. How did you get into video gaming in the first place? Oh, well, I started in computer graphics in 1973 and started making uh, real-time interactive uh, computer graphics systems and virtual reality environments in 1975. And uh, I was also a professor at a school in Monterey, California. You know, and it's so interesting because the processors that we were using in the 70s is just, I mean, minuscule to what we're using today, correct? Yeah, your iPhone is a whole lot faster. How many times faster is the processor in your iPhone to say what we were using a couple of decades ago? Oh, wow. It's probably um, anywhere, probably about 10,000 times faster. How long does it take for a video game to be developed nowadays? You know, you look at games like Call of Duty, I believe each of those versions that comes out comes out of one of three studios at Activision. And uh, the studio makes a version of Call of Duty in about two and a half years. And when they ship it and it goes online, that team takes about six months off. Wow. And then they come back at the end of those six months and start on the next version, which is going to take another two and a half years to come out. It's very expensive. That's where I was just going to ask you, how much does a, a game like Call of Duty, how much does it cost to develop something like that? Well, we'll make a guess. It's got to be on the order of 150 million to 200 million to build each version, and then they're going to spend about that same amount of money in marketing. And uh, when they spend that much out of, on marketing, they hope to make you know a billion and a half to two and a half billion dollars in revenue. Well, that's amazing to me. I mean, it's it's more than a Hollywood motion picture. Well, the the game industry in 2005, when I started at USC. 
was the same size in terms of revenue as the film industry. And the uh, game industry is now about four times the size of the film industry in terms of revenue. Which is interesting to me because I, I watched a video not too long ago about how in Hollywood Hills you have these $15 million mansions. And they load these mansions up with basically teenagers, you know, maybe 18, 19, maybe in their early 20s. And it's where they live, they eat, they work out, and they are eSport champions playing like six to nine hours a day. Well, you know, the eSports thing I I think is is amazing. It's it's an extension of the brand of a game. You know, when when people go and say, we're going to have eSports for League of Legends, they're going to have it in big venues, they're going to stream it on Twitch TV. Uh, it's 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 a it's a another way of it's another avenue of revenue for the game companies, and it's done amazingly well. I mean, even universities now are, you know, putting together esports leagues that play against each other, and uh, you know, people make a, a good good sum of money being top stars in games. What what game do you guys play during these competitions? Oh, there's all kinds of games. And, you know, it's, it's basically the online games where there's a, a team that plays against another team. Uh, it, it depends on what is the latest hot game that uh, the marketing people at each of the big game companies want to put forward as an esports venue. Now, what do you think about AR and VR being used in future games? Uh, the main thing is there's just not enough deployed headsets. You know, if you went to a company like Activision, looked at Call of Duty, they expect to have 30 million new players playing the latest version of Call of Duty in the first two weeks of that game's launch. Oh my gosh, that's just crazy. And, and the real question is, is, are there 30 million VR, you know, VR headsets out there? Games were, will push in the AR and VR spaces. So what are some games that you guys have developed over the last couple of years? We've had a couple games that have re- achieved what I call escape velocity. Uh, I, in the very early years of the program, we had a wonderful woman, Jenna Seiden, who was a games agent for a creative arts agency. And I think I think the very first game uh, she got a deal for was called The Misadventures of PB Winterbottom, which went out and became published by 2K Games. It turned into a company called The Odd Gentleman. And that, that is really pretty much the very first game that, that came out and, and did spectacularly well. What are you working on this year? Uh, you know, I'm teaching a brand new class this year, and it's called Applied Machine Learning for Games. And uh, we started this uh, to try and say, is there a way that we can take Twitch videos, YouTube videos of master game players playing League of Legends and put them into a, a neural network, machine learning system, that can understand how that master player is playing League of Legends, such that we can then take that neural network and use it as the core to build a bot that can then play League of Legends at master game player level. (laughs) Wow. So, Michael, tell me about the game that you created for the Army as a recruitment tool. Oh, yeah, this is a long time ago. Um, I got to direct the development of the America's Army game, and the game was built in support of recruiting. Uh, it was a first-person mission experience that allowed to, you to explore training in game form. And once you passed the training in game form, you could go off and uh, play networked missions with other players inside of the game. It, it is the most successful recruiting tool ever built. 
uh, by the U.S. Army. And, and we also got this very nice note from Donald Rumsfeld. He said it was the only piece of software ever built by the Department of Defense that was on time and under budget. You know, it's all really, really fascinating. Michael, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us about the future business of gaming. I mean, they've certainly come a long way from the days that, well, a long, long time ago when my mother was working for Bell Labs, we used to play something called Hunt the Wumpus back in New Jersey. (laughs) Yeah, that was a long time ago. And with that, it's time for this week's trivia question on Commando On Demand. When you go online, you have access to potentially millions of web pages. Go back only a few decades, and that certainly was not the case. But when did the very first web page go online, and what was the topic? Was it in 1993, reviewing the works of Shakespeare? Was it 1987, a discussion of theoretical physics? 1991, on creating web pages for the World Wide Web? And 1989, about a coffee pot at University of Cambridge? If you guessed the answer C, the very first web page went live on August 6th, 1991 and focused on the World Wide Web Project with information on how to create web pages, you are 100% correct. Congratulations. And get this, that very first web page is still online and looks about the same as it did nearly 30 years ago. If you want to see it for yourself, check out our show picks page at the theallnewcommando.com. That's K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Commando On Demand. And if you haven't already, you want to get this information automatically to your device every single week. Make sure you subscribe and tell your friends. It helps more people find us. Here now is Kim with some final thoughts. If you're job hunting, your resume may not be as important as something called your employability score. If that sounds a little Orwellian to you, wait, there's more. You see, hundreds of big-name firms like Goldman Sachs, Hilton, Ikea, Delta Airlines, and others are making hiring decisions based on an artificial intelligence algorithm. Instead of a hiring manager, software decides if the applicant will be a good fit for the job in the company by ranking his or her facial movements, choice of words, posture, and speech. The AI places candidates into high, medium, and low tiers based on the likelihood of success. The company is called HireVue, and its AI-driven assessments have become so pervasive. In some industries, like hospitality and finance, major universities now train students on how to look and how to speak. In other words, how to game the AI system. So don't fret about your resume. It's a software algorithm that's becoming the gatekeeper to your next job. And keep your digital know-how going. Find your local radio station that broadcasts my show, along with more DIY how-tos and tips, videos. We have free news alerts delivered from me to your email address, along with the Commando community, where you can blog and ask your tech questions on our website. That's commando.com, and I'll see you right here next week. 